Time once again for the Built by Bam online podcast right here on your home for BOL. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, doing something a little different on this Tuesday morning. Checking in with my partner in crime there at BamaOnline.com, the publisher of BOL, Mr. Tim Watts, who uh, together we're sort of the old heads of BOL, right, Tim? I mean, we've we've been around a while. We've tried to sort of adapt our thinking to the changing times. We've seen it all in the last 15 to 20 years of this business. Uh, but we're going to have some fun on the T. Watts and TR installment of the Built by Bama online podcast. Honestly, when we fire this thing up, when I hit record, I'm not entirely sure how this is going to go, which route we're going to take. We do have an outline of topics, Tim. So uh, what do you think? You ready to, uh, ready to uh, put this thing in play here? No, absolutely. Sounds good. I was just thinking how we are a little bit similar to Nick Saban, how we started out. Just play defense, Travis. Run <laughs> the ball. Don't turn the ball over. Don't make stupid mistakes. We'll be fine. And I mean, you're wide open with Charlie Potter and Hank. We're like, more, yeah. faster, go faster. We're five wides now. Let's, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. We we have. We've, uh, we've literally almost graduated from Stallings ball of uh, smash it up in there with Sherman Williams. Derek Classic, you know, with uh, the fullbacks leading the way to what we're seeing today from Alabama football, which four wide receivers and let it rip. Devontae Smith going for 274 yards for crying out loud and a little more than two quarters of work against Ole Miss on Saturday. We'll get more into Alabama coming up in just a little bit. But uh, Tim and I, we both like the National Football League. Okay, we both have our favorite teams. And Tim, I'm going to go ahead and guess that your backup quarterback for the Saints and my backup quarterback for the Jaguars are better than everybody else's backup quarterbacks out there because we're seeing plenty of backup quarterbacks in the NFL these days, Tim. We're seeing starters that play like backups. I mean, Sunday, <laughs> I, was, Sunday I was watching, and I've never seen a collection of worse starting quarterbacks. I mean, Tom Brady was off. Deshaun Watson's a fantastic guy. He had a terrible game. Um, you know, even Pat Mahomes had decent stats, but for Pat, you know, 24-42, that's not what you're expecting when you see the Lions. But, yeah, you're seeing these guys come in. Now, I wouldn't say Teddy Bridgewater is at the same level of production as uh, Minshew is by any chance for the Jaguars. Teddy's just Teddy's actually a throwback to the, what we were saying earlier, the Nick Saban days. Don't mess this up. Don't turn it over. I'm going to get four field goals. We're going to win this thing. Well, and it's like Dak Prescott in that game Sunday night, a 12, 10 game. And we're talking about making Dak the highest paid quarterback in the national football league. Tim, is that what we're looking at right now? If you're the Cowboys, I mean, you've got no choice, I guess, but to pay Dak, but the money, the discrepancy in money between guys who we think could be great, who aren't at this point, uh, it's the gamble. I guess you got to take in the national football league. But then again, you see guys like Minshew, a six round pick, and I know it's a small sample size at this point with my guy, but he looks like he's going to be a very nice value. Dak was the same way, though. Dak was, what, a fourth-round pick? Yeah, he was a lunch. Yeah, he was later than – well, he wasn't later than expected, but he was a later-round pick. The thing with these guys, it's almost, you know, like with the running backs, the NFL's always been, why am I going to pay this guy, you know, 10 or $12 million a year when I can draft – and look yeah. what they can draft every year. Every year you got a James Conner and Alvin Kamara. You got Kareem up. You got guys who are going to go in the third round, not be minimum values, and then pay for that. So why are you going to pay Le'Veon Bell, you know, nineteen million dollars? 
you know, and deal with everything goes. So the quarterback position could become that way because you make a good point. I mean, Goff, look at the money he got paid. Yeah. Now, stats-wise, I watched that Rams game. Stats-wise, when you look at it on paper, which most people do, you say he had a great game. But if you watch that game, he did not. Jameis Winston clearly outplayed him. Yeah, what about Jameis, man? You talk about the ultimate tease. Maybe Bruce Arians is exactly what Jameis needed. Byron Leftwich too. You know, Byron Leftwich, a former quarterback at Marshall, had a great college career, went on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, kind of up and down in terms of his NFL career. Uh, but that combination of Leftwich and Arians may be the perfect elixir for what has been a tumultuous NFL career to this point for the former Huey Town star, who I'm guessing you saw more than once or twice when he was playing high school football over there in the Birmingham area. Yeah, the, you know, the guy, you know, I saw him play baseball and everything. He, The question with him has never been ability. It's always been his maturity level. Um, and I think that, that carried on well into the NFL. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago that he was starting a brawl, you know, with the Saints on the sidelines, you know, an unnecessarily brawl, unnecessary brawl. So I think with him, it's a maturity issue. Arians is a great fit. I mean, he's sort of that that cool dis, disciplinarian dad. He's not a soft walkover. He knows what he's talking about. Um, and again, Byron's been through it, so he's going to be a guy that, that definitely can help him. But I mean, again, it's the, the with, with James Winston, it all comes down to what's between the ears. I mean, talent-wise, he had it, he had it in baseball, he had it, he has it in football. So um, it's it's NFL is always an interesting storyline for me because it's ever changing. And this year, I've sort of found like college, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of big games. I just haven't seen a lot of big games in college so far, and. Even the ones that were considered big, for the most part, have disappointed as far as the score. So the NFL is a welcome outlet. Yeah, it is. Uh, when you get the right quarterback matchups and with the injuries and, as you even pointed to, some of the subpar play that we've seen at the position. Like the last two Monday nights, Tim, I haven't watched a minute of Monday night football the last two Mondays. I didn't watch a minute of Pittsburgh in Cincinnati on Monday night last night. I didn't watch a minute of Chicago in Washington the previous Monday night, and you, you can you can tell why, right? Talk about, I mean, look at the quarterbacks you had in those two games. Mitch Trubisky. That proves Case right away. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, it proves right away, you're, right away you're smarter than I am because on my deathbed, <laughs> I'm going to want those minutes of my life watching the quarterbacks you're mentioning. Having yeah, played, I, I sit there laying there and go, I wish I had those six hours back. I'd do something. Um, yeah, you know, I've used these last two Monday nights to rack up husband of the year points. I've literally watched the uh, the Voice and Bluff City Law the last two Monday I, nights with the wife. I have now I put it on the iPad. I wasn't all into it, but I was glancing over there and watching, um, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, flail. And I did see that, you know, I've seen the Bears, and the Bears actually looked a little bit better when Chase Daniel came in this week. Um, Mitch Trubisky. Talk about retro Alabama. That's the yeah. Chicago Bears, right? Yeah, they uh, their defense again, and their defense is just unbelievable. And the, you know, them and the Saints have two of the best defenses I've seen. And um, uh, and they were without Georgia star Roquan, former Georgia star Roquan Smith, who just set out for an undisclosed reason. Reason. So yeah, the Bears defense is suffocating. It is like every Bears game is like watching that Alabama LSU nine to six game though. I mean, you're just, you're just, yeah, you're just, every time they get 12 yards, you are just excited. You're like rewinding on DVR, watching it over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, but your guy Garner, though, what a, you know, what a fun guy. I mean, it's the man. Still, 
it's still absurd to think about this guy's story. And I don't even know if the media has properly touched on it. I mean, I see a random tweet, but I mean, this is a guy that didn't win his starting quarterback position at a small school. Tennessee passed on him, um, was going to Alabama to play behind not only Tua, but Jalen Hurts as well. Uh, obviously, Mike Leach, you know, he's a special kind of coach when it comes to offensive guys for the most part and, and got him out there and helped him. But, you know, it's more than just that. I mean, this guy gets a chance in the NFL and I don't even know how many reps he's had going into the season, you know, as the as the non-starter. But this guy comes in and just has a loose, loosey goose feel about him, you know, that 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 just help, you know, just makes you root for the guy. Oh, it's just taking over Duval County, man. Minshew mania. I mean, you got cats buying up all the number fifteen jerseys. You've got cats trying to grow the mustache and soul patch look that he's got working. Uh, walking around with bandanas on, which it actually, being from Duval County, I can tell you, he is so Duval County, man. I mean, you can go to any area of Jacksonville, Florida, and spend maybe five minutes, any of the quadrants of Jacksonville, and you're going to find a Minshew-looking guy within 10 minutes. And this is before Minshew became a thing. It is. He, he, he encapsulates what Northeast Florida is in terms of a look and sort of a vibe. That's what makes it even more perfect than what he's doing on the field is that, man, they are one, they are literally one with Minshew down there right now. We'll see how that goes, especially with Nick Foles out there. You know, we talk about the job Teddy Bridgewater's doing. He's doing a good job of sort of managing that situation with Drew Brees out. I think it may be even more difficult. It'll, it will definitely be more difficult. I mean, Breeze is obviously the guy when he comes back from the thumb. But in Jacksonville, with Minshew doing what he's doing, uh, it kind of feels like, uh, you know, New England 15, 20 years ago when Tom Brady got his shot as a six-round pick, and it became incredibly difficult to get him out of that situation. We know what happened there. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen in Jacksonville. That's what's going to follow. But uh, Minshew keeps this up going to be a tough guy to get out of that Jaguars yeah. uh, lineup. And it's completely different, obviously, than the Saints situation. I mean, everybody knows Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater's did a good job, but Drew Brees would have did at least an equally good job, you know, that had he been in there. I'm not sure, sure that, that Foles can dip, duplicate what Minshew's done. I mean, he's mobile in the pocket. He's smart. He's taking big risk, and Foles has sort of been a more cerebral guy. I mean, this guy throwing the double coverage, running to his left with a guy tackling his ankle. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit there's a little bit of that Brett Favre as far as the mentality and even Tua where those guys will throw into that double and triple coverage trying to make a play. It'll lead to mistakes, but usually that, you know, that's going to work out for them more times than it won't. You talked about what it could have been in that quarterback room at Alabama last year had Minshew followed through and actually made his way to Tuscaloosa with Tua there, with Jalen there. You even had Lane Hatcher. Uh, that was a part of that room, uh, Tim. And on Saturday, this past Saturday, three of those guys that were in that room threw for over 400 yards in a game. Uh, Hatcher did it for Arkansas State against Troy. It's crazy. Uh, and we know what Tua did and Jalen with another big game uh, against Texas Tech over the weekend. So just a, a quarterback room uh, that was pretty good as it was. You think about if uh, – Gardner Minshew had been in that room. No, that'd been great. Well. And the personalities too. When you look at, 
you know, what kind of guy Tua is and Jalen. I don't know Lane, but you know what kind of guy Tua is and and you know how serious Jalen is and what a workhorse he is. And then you add Garner in there, you'd had three pretty different personalities. So that'd have definitely been a that had definitely been a reality show type situation. Yeah, the what might have been had Minshew come to Alabama. Well, he's probably not a starting quarterback right now in the National Football League. He may have been more of a guy that's a GA at Alabama right now because that was his thought process with UA. He'd just go to Alabama, uh, not too far away from his home there in Mississippi, uh, learn under Nick Saban, that offensive staff, and go into coaching. That's what Gardner Minshew's track was before Mike Leach made the phone call and uh, summoned him up to the Palouse. You talk about Tua, Tim, and, you know, it got me to thinking, especially after Devontae Smith's performance on Saturday, uh, value of players currently on this Alabama roster. And that's where I want to go next. The most important player on this Alabama team right now, not named Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Who is that guy for you? And, you know, it's so easy to pick anybody on that offense almost, especially the wide receivers or Jedrick Willis or, um, you know, Landon. You know, those guys are playing so well. But, I mean, I think it's Diggs. I think Diggs, you know, the the defense, despite the struggles people are talking about, I just think that Diggs takes away one-fourth of that field. We haven't seen many passes thrown at him. I think he had two thrown at him this week and no completions. You know, I've always – you know, it's obviously it was a big deal of not having him for the – Clemson game last year when we had Savion and um, out there on an island with Justin Ross. And um, so to me, it's Diggs. I just think Diggs is a guy that's helping out in that secondary, especially comes in handy when you're not getting a super pass rush, which Alabama probably is going to have to fix at some point somehow. So for me, it's him. I mean, it'd be easy to pick, a, you know, a Ruggs or a Smith or Paper, Scissor, Rock, who's the best wide receiver, you know, no, you know, to make a small joke. But um, I also like those two offensive linemen. How about you? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with another defensive back, and I'm with you on Diggs because he absolutely does take away. You know, you're, it, it, teams these days, right, it used to be teams had one receiver you had to kind of worry about. Well, like Clemson and Alabama now and other teams out there, even Southern Miss a couple weeks ago, you had to worry. You got to worry about two or three of these guys now. So when you can take away one of those guys – that certainly makes life a lot easier. Not as easy as it was, again, 10, 15 years ago when you could just take away a top guy, and that was pretty much it for an offense. But I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney right now because watching this guy sort of clean up for some of the messes that are created in front of him, like he did on Saturday against Ole Miss with the with Plumley doing things with his legs uh, at the quarterback position for the Rebels, Tim, this guy is like, I call him McMoses, Xavier McMoses at this point, because he's a hybrid. I mean, he's a safety, as we know, but he plays in the box and the dime, and then he makes a lot of tackles that help cover for some of the issues Alabama is still trying to work through in that front seven. So I'm going to go with a DB, but mine's going to be uh, Xavier McKinney, who, I, I, you know, I got to be honest, you, you, you knew this guy uh, as a recruit coming out of high school more than I did, um, you know, watched him his freshman year. You could see where they were grooming him for that role for, for 2018, which he took over a year ago opposite Deontay Thompson. But I, I'll be honest, two years ago, I didn't see Xavier McKinney being this kind of player as a true junior in the program. 
I knew Alabama loved him, and I knew we loved him. You know, watching this film, I think he was a top 50 guy for us, or or should have been. Yeah. And he his recruitment though, you know, his recruitment was the one that was committing. He'd been committed to Clemson. He'd been committed to Clemson for a while. And then on the day, he's announcing one of the Under Armour games. We're sitting there, and I realize Alabama's in it more than I think two hours before he's deciding. So I'm scrambling. He was almost a foregone conclusion to Clemson. Um, wow. Kid, kid didn't talk. Nobody talked around him. And if you've seen him or been around him, he's one of those guys like Julio Jones. He's not really airing out his business. So he's one of the guys sort of figured out. I mean, the whole, the whole, really, the whole media sort of had had him written off as Clemson. We never heard anything otherwise. And then two hours before, there was a mad scramble. So, um, but from a player standpoint, this guy, big and strong and fast. The, the old Alabama staff knew the current Alabama staff love him. Um, and you know, having him back there, you know, there's he's certainly going to be a guy they'll miss next year when he leaves. Yeah. You got to think he's uh, tracking very much. So as a sort of three and out, he got beat on a touchdown pass. Jonathan Mingo. The freshman wide receiver for Ole Miss, I mean, he looks like he's going to be along the lines of an A.J. Brown uh, or a D.K. Metcalf for, for the Rebels. So uh, no real shame in that. But uh, uh, for me, it's it's Xavier McKinney. They have to keep this guy on the field because he not only plays multiple roles, he covers for guys at other spots right now uh, in that front seven. Hey, uh, Tim, we talk about the value of Tua Tonga Vilo, and this sort of ties in with a topic I wanted to ask you about more so back with the NFL talk we were into, but Tua takes a shot on his touchdown run Saturday, about three yards into the end zone, no flag, no flag. Whereas in the NFL, you know, that might've been an ejection. It was certainly a fine and a flag uh, on a hit like that, that Tua took, but uh you're still seeing, even with the fines and flags and things like that, man, you're still seeing some big-time hits that I would say more often than maybe not borderline on dirty. I mean, you look at the hit that Peters for the Rams took at the goal line on his interception return. Uh, but your guy, what about your guy with the Raiders fan for the season now and perfect? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, you know, so, I mean, John Gruden, you know, I hear all the praise and the ESPN and the talking and his hat sideways and he's smirking. He gets to the NFL. Chucky. Yes, yeah, he picks up a guy like Perfect, makes him a friggin' team captain. This guy's, I mean, there's video clips of this guy diving from behind at Antonio Brown's knee. So, oh, he goes and trades for Antonio Brown. <laughs> well, they're doing a bang-up job there. It's just really reckless what they're doing, how this guy's even appealing to suspension. That tells me right away he needs to be out of the league. He hit a guy on his knees, in the head, helmet to helmet. On you know, to me the to me the problems the officiating the referees. If you watch the Saints game, a, a Saints p- player dove, Von Bell dove over Dak Prescott and didn't really hit him, grazed him. It was a penalty. It's the first down. It led to their only touchdown of the game. Later on, they did the exact same thing. Jason Smith from uh, Notre Dame did the exact same thing to Teddy Bridgewater, but they discussed it and decided that wasn't a flag. So. I don't think they're really consistent in what they're choosing. I mean, if you saw the hit that Josh Allen took and, you know, Bill Belichick's trying to explain, oh, he turned away from the hit. He hit him with his damn forehead. I don't care where your hips are. If you hit me with your forehead, you've led with the head. I don't care if your feet are facing the opposite direction. So I don't think they do a good job. I don't I think it's sporadic. I think you got guys making top notch, top notch money doing it um you know as a part-time gig 
You know, a lot of these guys are older. I don't understand why all the referees, not all, they're not all in their 30s. I'm getting up in age. I'm wearing two sets of glasses now. <laughs> Should be calling damn strikes. I couldn't call them very well at 30. I daggone sure can't call them now. So um, I don't think overall they do a good system. But, yeah, the dirty hits, I mean, on the money, you know, the – the, and and also it's a you know Teddy Bridgewater is a little more expendable than Dak Prescott obviously so I just think they I think there's too many opinions you know in it I don't think they're all looking at them from the same same standpoint yeah that hit Marcus Peters the Rams took from Donovan Smith the offensive lineman for the Bucks I was shocked that Marcus Peters got up and in fairness to Donovan Smith I don't think the intent was there you know you're talking about a lumbering offensive lineman who is you know, going as, as hard as he can go to try to get to the goal line to make a stop, and it just sort of went bad from there. Mm. Uh, but there are some guys that we know at this point with perfect. We have plenty We have plenty of a pool size to go on with this guy to think that uh, his intentions aren't exactly great. Yeah, and I agree. You know, and that, that you know, they, uh, the offensive lineman who hit Peters, you know, in his mind, when he was running, he thought he was going to hit him at the two-yard line. Right. He's just – Slower than he realized it, it was realized. late. Yeah, now, the guy, hit, the guy that hit two, that was just a Blake. You know how I know it was a dirty hit because all his players started yelling at him about hitting him late. Right. In the end no zone. Flag. Yeah, he's the guys like don't do that. You know, he's late in the end zone. But I think you get to that, and you've seen it in little league games. If your kid is on a team beating the crap out of somebody in a little league game, they let the other team get away with traveling and walking and. Crossing the free throw line when they shoot. I think there's that little league mentality even there. Well, like, well, it's just Ole Miss. They'll be fine. But that's, you know, you, you hit that guy, Heisman candidate, three yards deep for no reason. You know. They didn't nothing. get away with it, Tim, when I was coaching Parabol. We could be up 30 and I'd wear the ref out about stuff like that. Oh, yeah, You're not I helping got- that kid. You're not <laughs> helping that kid, ref. You're not yeah. helping that. Not at all. You're not. You're not helping the development of the game. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, you took me to a pretty dark place there with the uh, youth basketball coaching. Um, Tim, let's uh, let's get into some other things here as we wrap up. T. Watts and T.R. What do you think about the title of that? You like that, all right, Tim? T. Watts and T.R. I do. I think the uh, B.O.L. subscribers will love it. They've always had that play on words. <laughs> Shane Terry's dumbass started that, by the way. The, the sent me a computer. I thought he was trolling me, and he sent me a computer because back in the day at Rivals, when you got a computer, it said your first initial and your last name, so it would have been T. Ryer. Well, mine was T. Watts, <laughs> and I sent him the way it was printed because there was no space, and he rolled laughing. He's like, holy crap, no, I didn't do that on purpose. Uh, that looked the message board. He started referring to me as that, and uh, he's got party fat. He's got party rules. you got to have a space, but it's taken off. So, yeah, I love the name. <laughs> um. So let's get into a few other things as we wrap up here. And we've got what we've set up on the uh, roundtable is a little bit of a mailbag for T. Watts and T.R. Um, and we've asked for some questions and some comments. Um, and we'll start with uh, uh, we'll start with Bama Man for J.C. He uh, talks about there's being a lot of chatter about this being the worst defense under Saban. Can you point? to an area or two that you've seen some improvement from on defense. Uh, Bama man for JC says he needs something to cling to for uh, to think that this defense might get better uh, down the stretch. Um, 
areas of improvement for this defense, areas where they're not up to snuff with some previous defense, I think you can look at really negative plays, tackles for loss, things like that, um, not putting up the numbers we've grown accustomed to. And I think in a way we had kind of become desensitized to the those things that, well, every year Alabama, whether it's tackles for loss or sacks, is going to be top three in the SEC, maybe top ten in all of college football. I think, Tim, as much as anything, this goes back to, again, the inexperience, the newness that you have in that front seven. Um, you know, Christian Harris, uh, Shane Lee, Justin Aboibe, DJ Dale. We're talking about four true freshman starters in that front seven. So one of the big benefits that Alabama had there for a stretch, right, was that it was able to not play guys like Ryan Anderson, Tim Williams, Reuben Foster, Reggie Raglan until they were ready. And now we're seeing Pete Golding not only have to try to coordinate this defense, but look at the position Pete Golding works with inside linebacker. So whereas, you know, Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, those guys all did a great job. I've said it before. I don't think an assistant coach on the defensive side of the ball in the last 10 years under Nick Saban has had as much on his plate right now as Pete Golding has as both the coordinator and inside linebackers coach. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, and the thing with Alabama, I think you're seeing a little bit of finally catching up to them. And they've been very fortunate not to have to really deal with, you know, the the wide amount of early people going in the pros. They've lost so many guys that were ready for the NFL that went early. You know, last year was no exception. But I think you're finally seeing that at some point it's got they're, – they're pretty thin in areas. And also you add the, you know, you know not a great class a couple of years ago, recruiting class, not a lot of impact players in that class. So you're seeing it a little thin, um, thinner than usual. I, I agree with you. I think the biggest disappointment is some of the tackling effort. You know, and that, you know, yeah. that's on the individual player. We just see guys going high, guys trying to, you know – trying to turtle up and hit somebody with their shoulder pads instead of wrapping up. So I also think, like you said, the inexperience of this team. And, you know, I'd like to know the stats. I don't know if anybody could do that. But it seems like Alabama's first two defensive drives of every game, along with their last two defensive series of every game, are by far their worst of the of, of the game. Um, uh, look at, you know, look at the Ole Miss game. They drove down for a field goal. And, you know, they got the turnover and the touchdown in the last two series. They uh, they scored touchdowns as well. Now they're working in other players. I know Xavier McKinney was in on that touchdown pass, but there was other guys, especially on the defensive line, that they're trying to get some experience. So I think they're yeah. still sort of working stuff. And I think that score. I mean, that's a pretty dominant game. Alabama, you know, beat out Ole Miss pretty good. And I know they put up some yards. And same for South Carolina. I think at this point it's about to get get an experience for these guys because they're going to need some depth depth and as much experience as they can when they go to Auburn and they play LSU and, you know, they get to those bigger games. So I'm not ready to freak out right now, but yeah, with Pete and Pete's also on top of coordinating coaching inside linebackers. He's also one of the best recruiters Alabama has. So that's true. Add all that to his plate. Um, and, and, you know, in the, in the, in the past years, the defensive coordinators, Jeremy Pruitt and Kirby Smart, they were guys that were grade a couldn't find better recruiters than those two, but during the season, they didn't do a lot of recruiting. During the season, you know, they were mostly focused on the on the on the uh, on the team. But I still hear Pete's name with the recruits. So he's still getting out there, you know, as a young man and probably still trying to do a little bit too much. But, you know, um, got some work cut out for him. And, yeah. uh, you know, but everybody thinks highly of the guy. I think that um, I think the two scenarios you pointed out early and late in games, 
that points to exactly what they're dealing with right now. Early in games is when a lack of maturity across the board can show up because you do have so much inexperience out there. Guys are jacked up, excited, takes them a second to sort of focus and, 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 and make the main thing the main thing instead of all these ancillary elements that are impacting them. And then late in games, that's where depth becomes an issue, something that they are still trying to get to a serviceable level, I'd say, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Tim, uh, we have another question here in the mailbag. Uh, CKAKAC97, is there anything new on Zach Evans from the Alabama perspective? I mean, this thing with the five-star running back, it seems like it is – up at just you talk about up and down in terms of runs hot one second runs cold the next runs hot for Georgia one second seemingly settles down where is this thing at with Zach uh, Zach Evans right now well you know Zach's early on I think Alabama was the pretty heavy leader for Zach I think he he ran into some stuff off the field and and again we're talking with Zach you know it's sort of talk you know I don't want to talk too bad I mean he's a kid he's a 17 year old kid his is his to me from what I understand is a lot of maturity issues um which is not you know not that surprising I've got teenagers of my own and they all you know once they hit 16 they think they're grown cuz they're driving the car you bought they're all of a sudden adults <laughs> but um so you know the guy has some maturity issues you know he was suspended for two or three games this year got back this past weekend he was suspended for two games I believe got into a a little uh, heated discussion with the coach. Um, obviously, the guy's a top-level talent. He hasn't had a great year. This is his first uh, big game of the of the year this past week. The other games, he was sort of struggling. That probably add, that probably added to the the frustration. You know how it is. They lost a tough game, 24-21, I think. Lost a hey, tough game, blew yeah. a lead, and he you know he was you know apparently pretty mouthy. And you know how it is in the locker room. You know you 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 rush ten times for 37 yards. You know, you're mad. You're mad you lost. You look, you know, you're a kid. You're never going to say, hey, you know what? This is on me. I need to get, you know, you're not going to do that mature thing. So, um, but with Alabama, Alabama still evaluating him and uh, looking at him right now. You know, they got two running backs committed they really like. You know, they got the Edwards kid out of Louisiana and they got Roy Dell Williams, who everyone should be talking about this guy. I've been watching his clips, waiting on his senior film. I've been watching him on the uh, high school app, watching him play this past week. This guy's a big time football player. Uh, so they got two running backs, so they're not desperate for another one. And, you know, I think after this situation with Antonio Alfano, I think they're going to be careful with guys that that have some red flags off the field. You know, Antonio, uh, you know, Alfano's a terrific football player and just mentally is in, in the spot right now nobody can understand. So I think they're going to try to avoid those kind of guys. And, you know, there was also the kid that transferred to Houston, same thing, just sort of mental um, had to had to have it between the ears, and like we've always said, Alabama's not for everybody. So you got to come in. The best guys that come into Alabama never talk. Minka Minka never talked. Julio never said a word a day in his life. I don't, you know, I don't. I think he writes it on the chalkboard and shows you what he's thinking. And Derrick Henry. Yes, those guys just aren't big marking. They're not big talkers. They're good personalities, but they're not big on bragging about themselves. And the recruitment's kind of quiet. Whenever there's a lot of bang, bang, bang. You know, it leads you to think there there could be issues. So if you come to Alabama, you put your head down, you grind like some of those guys. Um, I mean, even Quinnen Williams. We didn't know Quinnen Williams could talk until last year. Now he's the 
funniest guy since Richard Pryor in the 70s. You know, Quentin makes, you know, Quentin's got the biggest perfect. I don't know. I even talked to him in high school. I had no idea that was Quentin. You know, he just had a big personality because when he was at Alabama, he was just doing his work. He was just grinding and, and all of that. So I think Evans, you know, I think it's still to be determined, probably more than just Alabama's taking that stance. Uh, I just think the best thing for the kid is to mature a little bit and get it, you know, get out of his own way because his talent speaks for itself. Yeah, it, it, it's an investment thing for for a program like Alabama. And you hear that word and you think, well, they're investing in a scholarship. No, they're investing a lot of time, a lot of time spent on the recruiting effort and then a lot of time spent in reps once guys get here. And when you do that, that is an investment that you're not making as much in maybe some other guys in the recruiting process that, 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 that would have been maybe more of the approach if you could go back or even once guys get into your program, uh, you're kind of stuck with each other at that point. You got to be careful, no doubt about it. Well, Tim, as we get out of here on T Watts and TR, uh, the most important question of the day, which movie release are you anticipating more? Joker, which I believe hits screens Friday. I think that's right for Joker. Uh, mm-hmm. Or The Irishman coming up in about a month, I believe. That's when that one drops. By the way, my guy, Robert De Niro, is in both these flicks, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, I, I'm at a disadvantage sometimes with movies because I never – I try to avoid the preview, the trailer at all costs. And because especially with the comedy, hell, you don't need to see a comedy after you've seen the preview. They put every <laughs> highlight in there. So, you know, you go to the movie, you're like, hey, I've been laughing at that for two months. But so I've avoided the trailers on these. I've read up a little bit. Um, I know the Phoenix kids doing a great job as the Joker. Everybody's excited about that. But, you know, I've seen that. You know, I've seen that role. I saw Heath Ledger do that role and Tough do it as well. Did that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? I got no doubt this guy's going to do a good job. But I mean, what what Ledger, Heath Ledger did was just you know next level. So me and I'm an old school guy. I'm like you. You know, I hear De Niro, I get excited. I hear I hear Pesci, I hear Pacino. You know, and, and I hear Martin Scorsese. That's definitely going to be the way to go. I remember how excited I was when in the movie Heat that Pacino and De Niro. I think that was their first role together face to face ever. I think in all their other movies, like The Godfather, everybody said they're in The Godfather together, but they're never they're never in this movie at the same time because it was flashing backs to to uh, De Niro as as the younger Godfather, and then Michael as he was older. So I think that Heat movie. I remember how excited I was. So seeing all these guys together again, and and that old New York City feel, you know. And I went to New York City for the first time last year, two year, two summers ago with my kids because I thought it was Martin Scorsese's New York. I was like. It's not safe for kids. My wife is like, it is not 1983. We're fine. <laughs> and I go there. And it's the safest city in the world. I'm in more danger in Alabaster, Alabama than I am in New York City. <laughs> it's insane. That's how good Martin Scorsese was. Those old movies, Mean Streets and everything he's done. So I'm really excited about The Irishman. Um, I'll see The Joker. You know, my youngest son's all excited about the, the Joker movie. So we'll see that, too. Um, what, which one are you looking forward to? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm Irish. I'm the Irishman because I'm I'm huge when it comes to Scorsese. You know, anytime you can get Pecci and De Niro together, whether it's Casino, Goodfellas, you know, I kind of wonder about the Irishman. Uh, you know, with Robert De Niro, uh, Jimmy Conway, as we know, was right. the Irishman in uh, Goodfellas. But no, for me, it's definitely the Irishman. 
because uh, those are my all-time favorites. I mean, you talk about Goodfellas. That's his. That's his at the top for me. So uh, to see these guys back together and, and Scorsese working with them, uh, you know, Joe Pesci hadn't done really anything in a long time, and he's coming back basically to do this. So. Uh, it's the Irishman for me. I, I'll yeah. be interested in Joker too, though. I'll probably yeah. go to both. I know? think Petsy's one of those guys. I don't think we appreciate enough. I mean, when you talk about a guy that was in Home Alone and in Goodfellas, <laughs> yeah. was star of Goodfellas basically, and then turned around was in Home Alone. I mean, what kind of range has that guy got? You know, and don't forget yeah. movies like Casino and everything else. Those guys oh, have yeah. been. So we really haven't seen Petsy, and even The Bronx Tale. Petsy's got a little small role in that. So. Um, like you said, the name, the Irishman, automatically attracts you to the movie. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I'll see them both, though. Yeah. Uh, you paint houses uh, is sort of the code word for the Irishman in that one. Um, good stuff, Tim. Enjoyed it, man. First yeah. time we've uh, sort of done it with this format. Look forward to doing it on a regular basis, right? Yes, every week, maybe twice a week. Yes. We get, get some good news coming. Yeah, we, you know, wrangling Tim for some of these is kind of like converting the squirrel in your backyard to a house pet. But uh, we're going to we're going to come with some consistency here with the uh, T. Watts TR podcast. That's because Travis, I'm like, give me a warning when you're calling. He's like, call it now. I'm like, that, is, <laughs> that is so not a warning. You know, like if someone and, and between go- us, but between us, we have like 27 kids. So that kind of comes into play from time to time. I was texting you know? Evan last night. We were talking. Yeah, so. Evan out there in frigid Montana in September, Tim. Dude, I, already. Saw, I saw your tweet. Your daughter's in 88 and he's in 44 or something. <laughs> I said, son of a gun, these kids. Polar that kind of speaks to the difference between the two as well. Oh, yeah, you know, they're, they're a little That's, different. I laughed. Yeah, I laughed. All right, but yes, looking forward to it. Have a great time doing this. I hope the BO guys listen. If y'all get a chance, please subscribe and, and give us a five-star rating, and we'll have more of these for you guys in the future. Absolutely. There you go. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanks for tuning in. For T. Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast, we'll check in with you again next week.